0: You're listening to the Quince podcast.
1: The vice presidential debate ahead of the US elections was a landmark moment for more than one reason. Other than the fact that both the candidates were seated behind plexiglass barriers as a precaution against coronavirus, Senator Kamala Harris was also the first black woman and the first person of Indian descent to take the big stage for a debate in the general elections. Minutes after the debate ended, Harris's I'm speaking Mr. Vice President rap at Mike Pence's constant interruption became a hit amongst his supporters on social media platforms. Although not as chaotic or as belligerent as the presidential debate, Harris and Pence powered on key issues, such as the Trump administration's response to coronavirus trade and the Affordable Care Act. In the course of 90 minutes, Harris tried to attack the Trump-Pence government as the quote-unquote greatest failure of any administration in the history of US. While fending Trump's last four years, Pence also directed a few attacks at Harris himself. But how did Kamala Harris do in the debate? Was she able to make a solid case for Joe Biden? At a time when Trump contracted coronavirus, was U.S. Vice President Mike Pence able to face the pressure on justifying his actions on COVID? For this podcast, we spoke to Maya Mirchandani, a former U.S. correspondent at NDTV and currently a professor of media studies and an independent journalist reporting on foreign policy. You're tuned in to The Big Story, the podcast where we dissect the headline-making news for you. And I'm your host, Sholburi. More than 5 million votes have already been cast, opinions already forged, but seldom has the vice-presidential debate had as much high stakes as this one. With President Donald J. Trump contracting COVID-19, and both he and Biden being two of the oldest candidates running for the presidential race, although the vice-presidential debate itself isn't that consequential to the election, The vice-presidential candidates certainly are. And so, there was a lot of curiosity about whether California Senator Kamala Harris and VP Mike Pence can do what Trump and Biden couldn't do during their presidential debate. The debate was more civil and less of a contest, and Pence, who's hardly known to put the wrong foot forward in public platforms, unlike his boss, has been on the stage before. But it's Kamala Harris who some of the post-poll debates are picking as the winner. Offering a vastly different take on race and law enforcement from Pence, Harris delivered some powerful rebuttals to Pence as he tried to steer away from the discussion, saying that he has full faith in the justice system. Harris pointed out that Trump hadn't even clearly condemned white supremacists. From there to abortion to the Trump administration's intention to dismantle Obamacare, how was Harris's performance? Could she deliver a power-packed performance? Maya Michandani weighs in. Uh, I
0: personally, I don't think she did. Badly, I mean, I know people expected a lot more fireworks uh, from her, in terms of pushing back. But I think she held her own, uh, and I also think that uh, perhaps um, the Democrats decided that uh, you know they have a significant lead right now in the in the opinion polls, mm. and uh, you know to try and possibly play it safe and not uh, and not disrupt that. Uh, so. I do think that on the issues that she was strong, particularly on race and law enforcement, I thought her um, her uh, responses were quite strong. Mm-hmm. I also felt that she um, pushed back a little bit, uh, you know, on what we like to call mansplaining. Mm-hmm. You know, for some reason, everyone tiptoed around the fact that the White House is a is a COVID hotspot right now, and I can't understand why. So, I mean, I think I would. It would have been interesting to see her take that on more forcefully Mm -hmm. uh but apart from that i think she held her own i mean she comes across as somebody who's um you know blunt forthright plain speaking um and committed particularly on on uh, issues of race and discrimination and and law enforcement so
1: Quite obviously, the coronavirus crisis was the first issue that came up and Harris shied away from focusing on the White House cluster and instead kept the focus on the numbers to point to a lack of plan from the Trump admin. With President Trump contracting COVID, it's not just the Republicans who are in a difficult position and having to defend his reckless and lackadaisical response to the pandemic. The Democrats are also in a tricky position when it comes to how to attack Trump's actions without getting personal. So did Harris manage to drive the point home?
0: Well, I mean, I think Kamala Harris just didn't touch uh, the White House COVID situation at all uh in any really meaningful way. She talked about, you know, the coronavirus response, uh the national response, the uh, sort of uh, the death that America has seen, uh, but every time uh, there was an indication of, you know, when uh when especially when the questions were asked on um <clears throat> updates on uh, the president's health and the need for transparency, she pivoted from there. She pivoted from sort of Trump's own COVID situation to the fact that 210,000 uh, Americans have died, or that so many other hundreds of thousands of families have, have dealt with COVID, even if they haven't lost anyone. Uh, on, you know, she pivoted to the need for transparency on all fronts and Trump's taxes, for example. So, I mean, I do think it would it would have been good to see a little more pushback, but. As a dispassionate observer, I can understand, you know, this this idea that because you need to wish people who are unwell the very best and a speedy recovery. Mm. And even if that person who is unwell is your harshest political opponent, uh, you know, it's about, if you remember, it's what Michelle Obama said in the 2016 convention, uh, when they go low, you go high. Mm. And I think the Democrats are trying to kind of do that, which is that, you know, the the flip side is if Biden had COVID, what would Trump have said?
1: With Biden leading over Trump in approval ratings and again with Trump contracting COVID, there was a lot of high pressure on Pence to defend the Trump admin. While he argued that Trump has put the health of Americans first, the plexiglass shields were a stark reminder of the current situation. While Pence skirted around the pandemic issue, he charged at Harris over the Green New Deal warning that it would quote-unquote crush American energy. He also very successfully turned the table against Harris by pivoting a question on abortion towards a conversation on how the Democrats handled Brett Kavanaugh's Supreme Court confirmation. But could he defend the last four years of the Trump administration?
0: I mean, Mike friend has a tough tough ask right now. Hmm. Um, Everyone is watching what's going on in America. Um, Everyone around the world has been concerned about the way the Trump White House has walked out of international agreements, um, made statements out of turn, uh, uh, you know, interfered uh, in uh, sort of uh, domestic uh, or, or regional conflicts that are of, not of U.S. concern or U.S. making. Or, you know, there are constant statements that or tweets of President Trump that people kind of, wake up to every morning. I think Mike Pence has not an easy job. Mike Pence is also the head of the coronavirus task force, I believe, in the White House. So he's got a lot to answer for. Did he do a good job? I'm I'm not convinced. But then, I, I, you know, I don't know whether my saying that is just my opinion or whether, whether I feel that he was... I mean, at one point he told Kamala Harris, you can have your own opinion, but you're not entitled to your own facts. But that's a comment that's been made about the Trump White House now consistently, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, I think I think he had a tough job. I don't think he did it very well. But at the same time, you know, like, I go back to the original point. I don't know how much this debate matters. Um, a lot of people have already sent in their votes. And typically, the debates have not been known to, to sort of make a major dent in undecided voters.
1: But beyond matters of policy and law, there's also the unmissable gender and race lens in this. It was also a debate between a white Republican and a black progressive woman. As a report on The Guardian points out, at a time when Trump not only faces resistance from black voters, but also the largest gender gap with an overwhelming number of women supporting Biden-Harris, the interaction between Pence and Harris was a significant one. Although not attacking as some would describe the presidential debate, while Pence commended Harris on the quote-unquote historic nature of her candidacy, he also interrupted her repeatedly. And Harris didn't hold back from reminding Pence that she was speaking. But it's also her facial expressions that were worth a thousand words. Her glares and smiles and shake of her head at Pence sparked a lot of interest and Ms. Mirchandani says that the gender bias in American politics that stymies a vocal criticism from a female leader was on full display during the debate.
0: Somewhere, I think today's debate, because it was between a privileged white man and a really tough, a successful black American woman Mm. um, kind of really, you know, highlights the, the complexities. I mean, American society is not comfortable with women in politics. They're not comfortable putting women on the ticket. This was a big decision. She's the fourth woman in US presidential history to be a nominee. And that tells you something in a country which is wealthy, developed, talks about equality and human rights for everyone else. I mean, you have a debate on abortion that is men deciding what women's body, uh, women's rights over their bodies should be. Mm-hmm. You have a white man interrupting a black American woman and a female moderator, mm-hmm. white, uh, disregarding their, uh, you know, sort of saying, let me finish speaking mm-hmm. or please don't interrupt or you've gone over your time. Uh, there is, it's, it's visible, it's for everyone to see. Now, I mean... Maybe Pence was trying to be more—I um, don't know—restrained because the optics of a white man sort of interrupting a Black American woman in these times when race is such a vitiating uh, conversation in in the American election. Uh, maybe he had that in the back of his mind, but it was—it it was a visible thing. I mean, I mean Kamala Harris, interestingly. A lot of the conversations on U.S. television were were about the fact that she was um, giving him this kind of look with a smile yeah, on her yeah. face. Was it a smile? Was it a you know? Was it a smirk? Was it a oh my god, I'm I'm gonna not lose my temper mm-hmm. because I don't want to be seen as um, as sort of the stereotypical screaming banshee at at a a privileged white guy in a suit. They're gonna they're gonna blame it on me if I lose it mm-hmm. or if I hit back. I mean, I feel that she was also restrained uh, because the optics are important, Mm -hmm. and that you know, the the sort of the the discrimination on the basis of gender in U.S. political leadership Mm -hmm. uh, was on display.
1: As most would agree, the last presidential debate between President Trump and Democratic candidate Joe Biden set the bar quite low and it was left for Harris and Pence to make a case for Biden and Trump. Could the vice presidential candidates pitch the nominee of the respective parties as a better candidate for the position of the President of the United States?
0: I mean, I frankly think that the vice presidential debate is really just a, a token debate that takes place in the, in the sort of term of the U.S presidential campaign it's uh, essentially to sort of give the public a sense of who the vice presidential nominee is because they don't really get to speak too much while on the campaign field right I mean they make they make statements in support of their main nominee but it's really um, not their own individual personalities or politics that are on the ballot mm-hmm. uh, right. in, in a sense uh, but you know so whether she did a good a good job of defending Joe Biden, uh, etc. I don't know. I mean, I think it's a hard one to say, because if you compare compare her to Pence trying to defend Trump and talk about Trump, I don't think he did uh, a sort of wholehearted job at that either. Um, I mean, I do think that this election is, you know, it's Trump versus anybody else, and Biden is possibly the, the safest candidate they could find. But the idea that the last debate between Biden and Trump was like, you know, a schoolyard fight in kindergarten, um, obviously sets the bar very low. But I think the flip side of that is that this indicates that if politicians like uh, like Harris and Pence. Uh, can engage with some kind of civility, then there is some scope for civil discourse to come back into American politics because that was clearly not on display in the presidential debate.
1: If you like listening to this episode, please subscribe to the Big Story playlist for episodic updates. They'll have on Apple, Google Podcast, Spotify, Geo Seven, and most of the other popular podcast streaming platforms. For other podcasts, please log on to the Quinn website and check out the podcast section. For any feedback, shoot an email to podcasts at thequinn.com.
0: Thanks for listening. Log on to the Quint's website and check out our other podcasts.